Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chris joins me in studio. Chris, what are we listening to? That is uh, My Imaginary Guy by Deanie Parker and the Valadors off Volt Records. That's in Stax Volt Records. She was probably 17 years old, a little uncertain, and still student at, student at Hamilton High School when that record came out. Um, 60 years later, she is nominated for two Grammys this weekend. I wrote about her this week. You can also read Chris's work over at the Daily Memphian. Grizzlies taking on the Cavaliers tonight. J.B. Bickerstaff, old friend, yep. will rejoin us tonight. Before we get to that, of course, I, I guess it's the news of the day. I think the news of the day is that we now know the date in which Mark Gasol's jersey will be retired. He announces his retirement. I couldn't even remember. I was trying to remember. He played for that Spanish team that he owned, right? right? Yep. And I, but I think he's been not playing for over I don't a year. think he's played this. No, I don't think he's played this season. I, the, the Grizzlies were waiting for Mark Gasol to officially retire before they finalized, you know, and announced their plans for this. It's been in the works for a while. Um, I I think I can say. I mean, they, at one point they were targeting a different game earlier in the season. Um, there was an expectation uh, unofficially of, of a different game where it was going to happen. But uh, you know, they but it needed to they needed to take. They had to start with Gasol. You know, when does he want to retire? What makes sense for him and his family and everything else? And so it all finally came together, and it's going to be in April. And so you know, I, I think for the basketball world broadly. The inflection point of Marcus Hall is right now. It's Marcus Hall's retirement. Yeah. But for Memphis, it's not going to be his retirement. It's going to be his jersey retirement in, in April, which is why I haven't really written anything on Mark this week, and I'll probably won't write much and say wait for the run-up to that game. When you think about Mark, where do you start? I think he is setting aside – well, you know, he broadly speaking, he's the he is still the most the – most, celebrated in the sense of official accomplishment player decorated, in franchise yeah. history. Most decorated, that's the better word. He's still the most decorated player in franchise history. He's the only three-time All-Star in franchise history. He's the only first-team All-NBA player in franchise history. Um, and He's then, the only player to have two, to make two All-NBA teams as well. Yes, two All-NBA. Well, yeah, that's right, because Ja did not yeah. do that last year. So two All-NBA, multiple All-NBA teams, first-team All-NBA. Ja was second-team. Um, Zach Randolph was third-team. Um, and so he is, and then you, so setting aside to where he ranks in various franchise categories and all that, he is the most decorated player in franchise history. I think John Morant obviously has a chance to surpass him over time. Um, but for me, I think Gasol was a particularly compelling player 
I think his style of play could be a little bit controversial at times because of his various strengths and weaknesses and where people wanted his strengths and weaknesses to be. To me, his passing was brilliant, and that's what I think of Marcus All. I think him passing the ball. Uh, uh, Jeff was asking, like, what's a play that stood out? Remember that Orlando pass? Like, it was like 90, it was honestly through like 85 feet, like over the shoulder. It was like in a nothing game. Is this, is this the over the head? Yes. Yeah, he tosses yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. I think Jeff Green was the recipient of that. So he gets a rebound, and he is facing the opposite goal, the opponent goal, and just throws it over his head. It's unreal. Um, full court. There's that one. So there's this highlight reel that NBA that NBA NBA put out on Twitter, and it is. I can think of three Gasol passes specifically, but I also think of genre and some passes. But two of the three I think of specifically are on that highlight reel. There's that one you mentioned. There's my, always been my favorite that gets Brooklyn, where he's going. He's sort of driving like he's going to do a jump hook, like si- si- across the lane, and does a no look behind one hand pass behind his head to Tony Allen, cutting for yeah. a layup. There was another one I remember, and I remember like like highlighting it and writing about it at the time. But there was one other like full court outlet pass for Lampy through that he it was like a one hand, it's almost like a butterfly. Yeah. It like just sort of floated, you know, through the floor. But I also just remember just stuff he would do repetitively, like him in the high post, just throwing these hard, slick, you know, bounce passes to cutters, or him doing high low feeds, almost bowling ball, rolling it down to Zach Randolph in the low post. He just had a lot of style and flair about him as a passer, and the way he saw the game, I thought was was, was really interesting. He was a great defensive player in a way that wasn't always perceptible to people because unlike Jaron, it didn't show up in block shots, yeah. you know, and even it was even didn't necessarily didn't even great great rebound numbers either. So Gasol became a kind of inflection point in how people looked at the game and how people looked at numbers when he won Defensive Player of the Year, which I think he was deserving to win. And so on the court, I remember the passing and the defense and sort of just his his style was so specific. But then off the court, and this relates to on the court, he was such a. Um, he was a very intelligent player, but I mean, there are lots of other intelligent players. Mike Conley, a very, very intelligent player. But Gasol was sort of, there was a lot of agonizing with him. Like, he agonized over over the game in a way that sometimes can be counterproductive. Like, he was like a play-by-play perfectionist yeah. in a way that, like, was part of what, what was great about him. But it, sometimes it worked against him a little bit. He was difficult for coaches, much more so, I think, than, 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 than the other core four players were. Yeah, because he had a specific view of how the game should be played. Yeah, he, and he was very strong-willed about about his what he thought about the game. Yeah. Like I would even think about when we just you know we meet with him after, and I'm you know when I would when I was covering the team, this was on the back end. So, but you could just feel the frustration of like he always had in mind like what the right play was, yeah, 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 yeah. and and he would labor over that. And to your point, like at a certain time, like not every play is going to be perfect. Like he, at a certain point. Maybe you should move on, but I was starting to think: Is he the most skilled player that we've seen? Um, I don't know. Skill manifests in so many different ways. I mean, you know, John Morant's pretty skilled, like in different in different kind of ways. Um, Powell's very skilled. Powell, well, yeah, I think Powell might be actually yeah. Powell might be the most skilled, purely skilled player. Um, if you separate sort of skill from athleticism a little bit. But Marcus All was extremely extremely skilled in terms of his ability to pass, his ability to shoot. Just, just all the little fundamental stuff he did for a guy who was pretty floor bound to be as good as he was. Yeah. Whenever you try to separate the core four, it's like it's a difficult proposition because it is such a their meaning. Is, their meaning comes in relation to each other. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think, like, if I have to, like, if you're going into a situation where you have to vote, 
I think I'm voting for Mark. Like, he was the most significant, primarily because I could justify you know, it with the decoration. I think Mark has, the of, of, of the four of them, if you sort of look beyond even the Grizzlies, Mark has the, the, the greatest historical resume. If people outside of a Grizzlies mind frame are just yes. ranking players historically, Mark is going to be the highest ranked of those four players. At the same time, when the Grizzlies were at their best, he was not Zach the best Randolph player. was the alpha on that team. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it, it's a little more complicated, I think. Well, and like even that to me is a complicated issue because while clearly Zach's the alpha, does that necessarily mean he's the best player? It's a different kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like Mark, Mark, the strength of Mark's game was not get on my back, I'm getting buckets in the fourth quarter. Right. That was not really him. It probably could have been him a little more. And like later in his career, it, he he part of his, his sense of like playing the right way, I think held him back a little bit early in his career because some of the offensive stuff <clears throat> he unlocked later, he could have unlocked earlier. Yeah. And some of it was stuff people didn't want him to do. Everyone was like, get on, you're, you're seven foot, you know, 200 and whatever pounds, get on the block, stop shooting. He, he should have adopted the three-point shot earlier. Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, some of the stuff that you see from bigs, I mean, you look at Nikola Jokic, I don't think you saw, at it, even at his tippy-top, even if, even if he maximized everything he had, he was not going to be Nikola Jokic, don't get me wrong. But in some ways, he was like the proto-Jokic. Yeah. He sort of paved the way for what Jokic later became. If Gasol were more aggressive about pulling the trigger and developing that three-point shot earlier in his career, if he was more aggressive about running, letting things run through me with his combination of shooting and passing ability, he could have been like within, you know, he could have been 90% of that maybe. No, because I even think about it like, to me, like when I think of Jokic, I think of him standing at the free throw line, starting an offense. That's right. We saw shades Mark, of that. Mark, Mark had all of that ability. He was just reluctant to be. He wanted to be a cog, not the hub. You yeah. know. And then the other thing, like I was thinking about with him, is like obviously you know he wins the title with Toronto, but it does feel like with the difference got, between got drunk as a dog or those that was one of the most fun when he yeah. was doing the bus tour and then the just drinking pulling chugs of wine right, right, that right. was like god never changed just like, got a whole big bottle yeah, of wine it's like he was too yeah. character like if what does mark saw get drunk on red wine of course yeah. like that, that that to me that that spoke but like even more so with like with pal i still think that the overall people associate him as a laker it yep. does feel like Mark is still considered, like, when people f- think about Mark, it is as a Memphis Grizzly. Mark, saw, and I mentioned this on Twitter yesterday, and a lot of people, like, say that, you know, they didn't know this, even though it had been written about a little bit at the time, and I actually, I, I, had, I had DM'd with Mark when this story sort of popped up to confirm it, and I wrote a little notebook at the time sort of saying, yes, I, I have communicated Mark Gasol, he has he is acknowledged this is true, because it actually popped up on Reddit initially. But when he got his championship ring for the Raptors, all the players had their got their own inscriptions inside yeah. the rings of you know their whatever yeah. they wanted. He got grit and grind inscribed inside his Raptors championship ring. So even even not it's only his is identity it, too. Yeah, not only yes, that's exactly right. Not only is he associated with the Grizzlies, he associates himself primarily with the Grizzlies, even though he he won a title somewhere else. How big of like when we always do the what ifs, it always focuses on Hashim Thabit. With the gift of hindsight being twenty twenty, isn't the sin of you had Mark Gasol, and you still took the beat. I, I wrote this at the time. Like, I, right? I, I wrote this. I mean, it, it, it probably disappeared from the internet, but I wrote this at the time. On the day of that draft, when I my my my, my column that morning was the case against Hashim the beat. My number one my number one thing was not Hashim the beat's going to be a huge bust. I thought he was going to be Samuel D'Alembert or Theo Ratliff. I thought it was, sure. was going to be like you know 
the, the 18th best center in the league. Like, I didn't yeah. think he's going to be a bust, right? But what my main thing was he will not be as good as the center you already have. Yeah. Marcus Gasol, who was coming off his rookie season. I think the Grizzlies underrated how good Gasol was and, and what projection on him was going to be coming off of his rookie season. I think that is true. I mean, obviously, the, the whole Heisley element of watching Big East basketball, he, he saw him at UConn and, and loved him. But, I mean, was there, a, was there an internal fear that he would that Mark would sign somewhere else? Like, no, no, no. Just... I just think they didn't see the growth still to come. I think they underrated how good he was as a rookie, frankly. Um, but I, I think they underrated how much it was going, how much better it was going to get. Um, and they they did have you know one of the worst defenses in the league that season, whatever. And so they had this idea in their heads like we have to transform defensively. And I think, and I do think, even though I was opposed to the pick, we now, but because it went so poorly, people forget what the climate was in the moment of that draft. Ashim Thabit was considered a, the, unif- a, a the, universal yes. top five pick in that draft. Yeah, I mean, there was no when when the pick is made, no one on the desk is going, man, I don't know about this. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was Biggie's co whatever co player of the year, led yeah. the nation in blocks. Like there was thought to be a value, but. I don't know. That's all, always, all the next day draft grades on all the web, yeah. national websites were like B pluses. Or yeah, because they like the it was considered he was the second guy. That's who you take. Like yeah, it, it was yeah. kind of slotted. It was, that it way. was considered fine. Yeah, but it's always been the complicating thing. It's like when people want to take credit, Chris Walls, for getting Mark. It's like okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think. Still, I mean, I mean, we can go down that road because I. I mean, I people people. He deserves more credit than that he gets on that because I talked to I talked to him extensively in the moment. I know what he thought and didn't think about Marcus Saul, Chris Wallace. I mean, in the moment, and it was not like you just got lucky. He was a throw in. He 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 believed because he had scouted him himself. Well, right? he made the case to me, and I think he made a very strong case that Marcus Saul, if he had been in that next summer's draft instead of someone who had already been picked, you're getting the rights. Right. That he would have been a, a, a basically a late lottery pick. 10, 11th, 12th pick in the draft. Because he had gone back to Spain and he was MVP of that league. Yeah. Every other player who'd been the MVP of that league the, the previous three or four seasons had come over and been good NBA players. Yes. So he was like a 22, 23-year-old, seven-foot center who had just won MVP in the second-best league in the world. He was not. He was no longer a late second-round pick talent. He was more of a late lottery pick talent. That is how he was viewed by the Grizzlies. I'm just always going to be bitter. They had... Could have taken so many scores. They could have taken so many scores. Yep. All right. The Grizzlies play tonight. You had written earlier this week about Vince Williams. Yes, he's back. He's going to play tonight. I cursed him. He set out the game right after I wrote about him. Well, you were just getting ready. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you just want to let it marinate. Let more people. That's right. More people read. I think this is the fascinating question for me. If he continues his trajectory, does that absolve the front office for the previous draft picks? Like hitting on him, does that cancel out everything kinda, else? Kinda, because I, I kinda, I, I, I think, I think part of the idea was literally we're throwing a bunch of darts in the same direction, hoping one or two hit, right? right? And at some point, once the darts have been thrown, it doesn't matter that much which one hits, right? Right. Like they've all left your hand; they're headed towards the board. Your it, job is to put a roster, right? It doesn't right. matter how you assemble said roster if one hits. It is. So so I think, you know, you could isolate individual picks and, and judge them individually, in which case, you know, there there, there are some misses in there, clearly. Um, but I think the idea of we're looking for play, players of this type who will complement 
John Morant, Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson. That is our core. We're not looking for someone to supplant that core. The odds of finding somebody better than those guys is very slim. We're trying to find players who will play with them and complement them, right? <laughs> yes. And and so the idea of these this we this is a kind of player we need, broadly speaking. Zaire Williams, David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, Vince Williams, broadly speaking, are the same kind of player. They are players who can play in between Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the positional spectrum and in theory be a guy who players who can who can impact the game without needing to handle the ball a lot, right? So, you know, shooters, defenders, ball movers, like complementary pieces positionally between Bain and Jared. That's the that was the the idea. They're all very different sort of ways of going about that, but they all fit in that same general rubric. Yeah. And like did they think Vince Williams was the most likely to hit? No, otherwise he wouldn't have been the guy that picked 46 or whatever. Or but, that, that they they waited this long to give him his shot. You know what I mean? Well, that's like, another part of it. I sort of wrote about this week. I, I really feel like part of that was, you know, you start a certain place in the pecking order and the guys above you have to sort of fail before you right. move up or get injured or whatever. But I also get the sense that, like, Vince Williams, like, when they what they were able to seize from Fence Williams was reasonably impressive, but it wasn't like, oh, this guy. Yeah. I don't think what he's been doing in games is what he was doing before, you know? The quintessential gamer. I, I really, I think, you know, I think it's, I made the comparison earlier, I think somewhere else, to like, I don't want to say it's like Zach. Zach had a reputation, Zach Randolph had a reputation for being a bad practice player because he didn't care, yes. you know? I don't, I'm not saying that. I don't think that's the case. But I think there's something about Vince Williams' game that comes a little bit more alive when you're in, like, a real game that matters, you know? That's the sense I get. This used to be, like, one of the questions for, for football fans about Joe Burrow. Like, how could this many people miss on Burrow? Yeah, when, Vince Williams is not a draft combine guy. He's a he's a put-you-in-the-game-and-feel-the-game-and-make-game-plays right. guy. Because, like, the same thing. Like, Hendon Hooker, to a lesser degree for Tennessee fans, kind of had the same thing. Like, teams passed up on him. He transfers. But there are guys that what they do, like, with... With a guy like Joe Burrow, when you're in practice and you're you know you're running plays, if you get touched, they're just going to blow it dead. Right. Well, part of what makes him special is extending a play, right. moving around. You miss him, you can't get him down, you can't sack him, and then he can throw an absolute dime. And you can't, you don't simulate that in practice. No, that, because- that's a good analogy because the thing about Vince Williams, yes, he's a good defensive player. Yes, he's been shooting the ball well from three, classic three and D, whatever. And yes, he's 3D plus. His plus is like he's an exceptional rebounder for a size. All of that is sort of true, but there's an extra little bit of spice to it beyond that. And that is just like he's a he's he's just a feel for making plays. He just makes plays, you know? He makes plays beyond that. It's 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 it, it's it's the deflection, it's the tip, it's the the chase down block. He just has he 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 has consistently over the last two months just made a diverse array of winning plays in tight situations. And the the tendency to be able to to do that kind of stuff, I don't think you see that in a combine situation, in a practice situation, the way you see it in games. I think you're one of the the first people that pointed it out, and I, I don't remember if it was Melton, but maybe it was Kyle. Whenever you're watching a game and someone is around oh. the ball, and stuff always happens. Oh yeah, like, they're both the, both those guys are like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it, it, it's this like draws. It's like just in that forget lineage. the stat sheet, whatever. It's like, but if you're just watching the game and you don't pay attention to the score or whatever numbers, yeah. things happen when he is around the ball. Like it's he, always around him. Yeah, no, he he is in the lineage of those guys in that way, uh, very much in that way. Now, though, both of those guys, and I love both of those guys as players, as a basketball fan, and we'll see. Vince, this has been two months for Vince Williams. Yeah, any any real NBA player could have a great two months. Sure, so like like we'll see. 
But there's been a game-after-game consistency with him. I'll be interested to see over time. Because the thing with both Kyle Anderson and Anthony Mountain is the consistency isn't always there. And with Kyle, I think there's a health issue with his shoulder. And there's like his shooting is never good, but there will be periods where the mechanics get wonkier. Yes. And so it's almost like— Which I think is probably related to the injury. It's almost like a year-to-year thing. Like he was great. He was maybe the best player for Minnesota last year, if you ask Minnesota fans. He has not been good this year. Yeah. And I think with the Grizzlies, he had one great year, and he had a bad year. And there was that kind of up and down. Mountain was more up and down within the flow of a season. Yeah. Um, Or a game. (laughs) Yeah, or a game. We'll see with Vince Williams. Like, it's been two months, but I think one of the most impressive things about him is just the game-by-game consistency. It's like he's just always helping you on the floor. All right, I got to ask a random question this morning, so I wanted to pose it to you. You and I both roll our eyes at the Lakers. I do find it fascinating, though. What are they going to do? Because he's I, stamping his feet, and I, I give the Lakers credit I, for the most I, part. I they've think, kind of like been like, all right, we'll let you stamp your feet. I think it's a good question, and I'd go, I'd, I'd get Golden State to the same question. I, yeah. it, there are sort of teams you get sick of hearing about and talk about all the time, but there are in fa- both in fascinating places because what are they going to do a week out from the trade deadline when the Lakers are like the nine seed barely holding on and the Warriors are just like fading from the even play in contention, and yet you have Steph Curry and you have LeBron James, and so – are you a making a big move to try to give yourself a chance to like compete right now? It seems like it. I don't. It's hard to make a move big enough right now for right. those teams. B. Are you just thinking, okay, we're gonna we're, we're making we're making moves with a focus on next year. We're coming back to be contenders next year with LeBron, LeBron James, Steph Curry. Are you saying, you know what? We may this might maybe it's it. run its course. Maybe this is it. I think both of those teams are in a fascinating place right now. Could he actually get traded? LeBron? Yeah. Not unless he wants to. I, I just can't imagine. And I can't either because yeah. the All-Star game, I buy into the whole, the All-Star game in L.A. next year. Like, he wants that to be, like, his party and, yeah. Yeah. Chris, we really appreciate it. All right. That is Chris Herring. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.